The first week of Advent, starting with last Sunday, the theme was, well, kind of, the theme was keep your eyes on the prize. Where are we going? We're headed towards heaven. That's the goal anyway, anyway. And that is what is coming to us on Christmas. God himself, the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news. Jesus is the good news. So the first week of Advent was preparing, resetting the mind to think in proper terms of what we're preparing for. This week, with John the Baptist and with Isaiah in the first reading, they both speak of preparing the way, prepare paths, level mountains, raise up valleys. And in the ancient world, this is what we would do for a king, a king of any country. Their servants would go ahead of them and smooth out the paths, make sure it was safe, make sure it was as easy to travel as possible. For us, 2,000 years later, is the pathways of our heart, the pathways of our soul that we are to make smooth, to make level, to make clear. We are to prepare ourselves. This is the second week, to start to prepare ourselves for the grandeur of what will happen in Christmas, of what we celebrate happening in Christmas. I want to make note of all the people that came to see John the Baptist. All the people from the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were coming to see him for a baptism of repentance. This is not a sacramental baptism, and this is not the sacrament of confession. They didn't have those yet. It was common in Jewish tradition, in Jewish religion, to have baptisms, to have ceremonial washings. And to remove sins, they would have a scapegoat. That's where a scapegoat comes from, is from Leviticus, but we didn't read that today. But one of the two lambs would be slaughtered, and the other, the high priest, the chief priest, would put his hands on that lamb and send them out into the wilderness because that lamb or that goat had taken on the sins of the people and has, needs to be cast out from the community. Their sins weren't really forgiven. They were just transferred. But this baptism of repentance that John is preaching and John is providing doesn't take away the sins. It doesn't really even transfer their sins. But it is an acknowledgement from the people that they are sinners, that they do need help, that God is the one that can forgive them and that they have sinned against others and they have sinned against God. So even without a hope of being forgiven, there's a deep repentance, a deep turning away from sin that these people are demonstrating. Because these people are not doing this out of obedience. They're doing this because they want to be there. John the Baptist was one person. It wasn't like this was an annual tradition in the, in the Jewish religion to go and do this in the Jordan River. And so there was something deep happening with these people, and they're preparing the way of their heart for what will come next, the king the Lord, Jesus himself, God who united human nature with divine nature. It doesn't say that all of these folks are men, and it doesn't say that they're all adults. So you've got to imagine there are women, there are old people, and there are young people coming out here as well. And why would these young people who don't know very much, you know, kids, what I'm talking about, why would they come out to receive this baptism of repentance? It's because 
their parents, their aunts and uncles, and the people around them would have taught them, would have taught them that they're not perfect, would have taught them that only God and through God comes salvation, comes hope, comes forgiveness. What I'm trying to say is, after we prepare the path of our own heart, we have to transfer it, we have to let others know. And especially if you have kids in the house, you have to let them know. You have to teach them, not just teach them, raise them. The faith is caught, not taught, or more often it's caught rather than taught. This is not a personal experience. All of these folks that are coming to the river see each other. This is a very communal experience. And so it is, and so it is in our own families to this day. In this second week of Advent, God is calling us to inspect ourselves, to review our life, to review our current life, and to see if we and what areas we need to ask God for his blessings, for his forgiveness, for his holiness. We read in our second reading, the letter of St. Peter, that to God one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And the next sentence is the most important one. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some regard delay, but he is patient with you and with me, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Whether this is someone's first advent or hundredth advent, it's this repetition. God gives us so many opportunities to turn back to him. Why does he not come a second time? Or why has the second coming not happened already? Because he, as Peter tells us, God is giving us every opportunity to prepare ourselves to be ready for him because he won't force it. He's not going to force himself on us. And sometimes we can think that God is our best friend and that God knows everything and he under, well, he does know everything, but he understands all of our sins and why we do them. And so that's okay. I don't have to change or I can't change or I'm too old to change. But that's not our faith. And that's not what Peter is saying. And that's not what we know who, who we know God to be. Yes, he understands us. And so he has compassion for us, but he's also a judge. He's also strict. There will also come a time where we will have to face him. So it's an in the middle. Not so much that we, a friend that we don't do anything, and not so much a judge that we're paralyzed or think that everything we do is wrong or that there's no room for growth, because that's the other side, is to think we're so imperfect that why even try? But it's in the middle. God wants to meet us. He wants to meet us in Christmas, and he wants to meet us here at the altar in the Eucharist. So how is it that we prepare ourselves? The two simplest pieces of advice I'm going to give you are one, of course, the sacrament of confession. Mondays and Friday, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays at St. John from noon to one. And Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 to 6.45 p.m. here at St. Chris. The second the one that you can take with you and use daily and weekly is to the best of your ability, and I know with little kids it's real hard, but to take an opportunity, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, so that when you can, you don't just come off the street and sit down in mass and mass begins. To have some time to transition. 
so that you don't have to be thinking about the laundry and lunch and bills and something angry you said to your spouse or something that you want to say to your parents or whatever, or worrying about the world at large. The world is supposed to stay out there. When you come in here, it is a place of peace. It's supposed to be a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of a very personal interaction between you and our Lord. When I was a teenager, that typically didn't happen until after the homily, probably after the petitions, that my mind was finally calmed down to the point where I could actually listen, I could actually engage, I could actually appreciate what was happening around me because I didn't take the time. I didn't take the time even for silence. You don't have to be praying prayers. You don't have to be praying a rosary or something like that to just even calm yourself and to be resting in the presence of God. And the best place to do that, of course, is in church, where you can see the tabernacle, where we can see God, where we can see his house over there, and to know that he's there and we're here and we're just at rest. I have the benefit nowadays where, not this morning, but almost every day, I'll ride my bike like I did last night. So that's 30 minutes before Mass and 30 minutes after Mass to get here and back. I'm not listening to music. I'm not worrying about anything. I'm just enjoying God's creation, and I'm in silence and just preparing myself for Mass. Because we get out of things what we put into them. We know that. And how many times have we heard people, and maybe even yourself, tell stories of Well, Mass wasn't that interesting until I learned a little bit about it. I knew what it is we're doing. I knew why, for example, why we stand for the gospel only. Why do we make the three little crosses? Why do we respond with and with your spirit? Even what is the Mass? The Mass being Jesus' prayer to the Father and the priest in the person of Christ as the head and you all as the person of Christ, the body, Jesus' prayer to the Father, and we are all invited to pray with him. That totally changes the whole feel of the Mass. If you sit down and appreciate that, think about that. It's not your prayer to the Father. It's not your sitting here being receptive to what the priest has to say. You know, It's not you sitting here being receptive to what God has to offer here in the Eucharist. It is we take an active role of preparing of praying, preparing ourselves, and praying to God the Father with Jesus. And when the gifts, now we don't bring the gifts up now because of COVID, but when the gifts are brought forward, do we, this is the most important part of the Mass for the congregation, offer our very selves with those gifts to be sacrificed on the altar with Jesus on the cross. The more we understand, the more we prepare for Mass and for everything, for other prayers, and for our whole week, the more that we can meet God. And this is what John the Baptist is all about today. Make straight the paths, prepare yourselves, get ready. Something greater than he is coming. God himself is coming. Do we appreciate it? Do we prepare ourselves? Or is this just a time that we missed this opportunity? But there will be next year. There'll be another opportunity because God is always patient, because God will come like a thief at a time we do not know, but he wants to give us every chance, every moment of our life 
to know him, to love him, to share him, because he deeply desires for us to know love and to be loved.